This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. It is Monday. It is a little after seven o'clock. And as we do every Monday, except of course, when I'm off on vacation, bring in Don Robertson, the owner and operator of the Dundas Real McCoys, who will be, I would think, getting fired up reasonably soon. And Don does a few other things in the Dundas region as well. Real estate agent. Com Choice Realty is kind of the main thing we do. Well, it funds the real McCoys. Don is here. Thanks for coming in again. It's good to see you. Brown as a berry. You know what? It's um, yes, my uh, my skin doctor probably would uh, would not be thrilled with how I look, but you know, it was beautiful. It's been beautiful out. It's been this summer. Honestly, the last two summers have been. Eh, eh, you know, we've had some this rain. This was a beauty. Cool temperatures. It's been fantastic out there. There's been no summer that has been better for being able to sit out in the back and just um, just enjoy it. By the way, that Martin Short book that I was talking about is called I Must Say, which of course, I must say, from Ed Grimley, right? So uh, if you're looking for a great book, but there's your there's your quiz, uh, not your quiz, there's the what I was talking about at the top. If you're looking for a book to read before the summer's out, maybe if you have some time off and you're just wanting to read something light and fluffy and enjoyable. Anyway, uh, Don, we, um, we yesterday wrapped up the Olympics with, yeah, kind of a okay closing ceremony, which I thought pretty much matched the opening ceremony. It was okay. It was, I, I, I think back to London for the closing ceremonies and the opening ceremonies. I remember in London, they had, uh, Michael Palin singing, always look on the bright side of life. And they had the who, and they had Jesse J singing queen with Freddie Mercury. And they had, uh, uh, what else they have? They had, uh, Mr. Bean playing piano with chariots of fire. That to me, see, this was this was this was okay. This was okay. I'm not convinced that we would be as familiar uh, with the um, culture, real stars, and no, exactly. bands as we would be Great or Great Britain. No, and, and you know what? I'm I'm sure. And we said this as we were watching yesterday that as all the athletes are coming in for the closing ceremonies, and there's that one group that was playing the guitar player and the singer or whatever. We were saying. You know, I bet they're, they're huge in Brazil. This is probably like the greatest thing Brazilians have ever seen, that this band is playing for half an hour, 40 minutes straight. Like, it would be like us bringing out the Beatles or back or something. I mean, that was, it was probably huge for the Brazilians. I, you know, it didn't was okay. Do it, didn't do it for you. It was okay. But, but what about the rest of the Olympics? Because we finished the Olympics, it's something I think most people, sports fan or not, I think most people legitimately look forward to the Olympics. It's something that almost everybody latches onto in some way or another. So what was your impressions of this one? Well, we talked about it six months ago before you went on vacation. <laughs> and, I wish. <laughs> and uh, we said all the hubbub about uh, uh, the Nika virus and all you know the things that weren't ready, and we always said that's what the media talk about because there's nothing else to talk about. And then when the games start, when the competition starts, the competition speaks for itself. And again, it did. I mean, I'm not alone, I'm sure, in watching all kinds of events that I wouldn't probably stop into a local park and normally watch. But when you're watching the very best in the world at it, it dominates. Obviously, they had some hiccups. The uh, the green pool, which, you know, should only happen in your backyard, not at the Olympics. Uh, you kind of wonder what's going on. and but the, that, that led to my favorite line of the Olympics, by the way. When, which, the, when the guy from the Olympic Committee, from the uh, organizing committee got up and he says, yes, we've just proven that uh, chemistry is not an exact science. 
<laughs> chemists sure chemists all over English, the world were uh, really, really <laughs> you're throwing us. You're under the bus like that. But the 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 events take off, right? Uh, Bolt. I mean, how do you not want to talk about Bolt? Uh, we excelled at some sports. We had some surprises. It was wonderful from that standpoint. We did talk about earlier from a Canada perspective, Canadian perspective, is when they say 19, are they knowingly setting the bar a smidge low so we can exceed it? Or was it a bit of a, a stretch? And See, I thought it was the latter. I went into this and I said it on the air. I thought they had set the target very high, which was concerning. And so kudos to them for eclipsing that because I thought we were setting ourselves up to, if you don't hit that mark then, even if you have a good Olympics. Well, we had a 16-year-old win four medals and something I thought we were fairly good at, although I'm sure they'd uh, whip my ass whenever we got in a little competition, is, is, is rowing and on the water, not in it, on it. And because we've had some success there. So there's always some wonderful stories coming out of it. I think the biggest, the thing that really hit home with me was, unless it was the events I was watching, was nobody went. And I don't think they can afford to go. And that's that's the part. That's a Well, there were a lot of empty seats. There was the, the stadium last night for the closing ceremonies was, was halfway empty. And it's a funny because there's a guy I work with at The Spectator who back in 2000 took his holiday time and went by himself, went to Sydney for the, to watch some of the Olympics and then got a ticket to the closing ceremonies. And if I recall correctly, and I, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm off, but it was something like $1,200 for a ticket back then. Like it was an exorbitant, insane amount of money. And I said to him at the time, I said, like, honestly, 1200 bucks or 900 or whatever it was. And he says, listen, it's a, it's a once in a lifetime thing, first of all, but B... They can charge this because the demand was so. He won it in a lottery. He, I mean, he not, didn't win it. Like he won the right to buy the ticket in a lottery because there was so much demand, and they could have built a, a stadium in Sydney with another half that many people and filled it. And here, it was half empty. And I bet they. Well, obviously they couldn't give them away because I'm sure they were trying to give them away or pretty close. They were talking about the volunteers and fifty-five thousand, and half of them went and got their their credentials and their t-shirt and never came back. And, um, I won't answer your quiz question, but one of the coolest things that the closing Olympic ceremonies I went to in 88, it was really cool in a lot of ways, but it was, it's really a wonderful experience, the closing ceremonies. And it really does wrap everything all back together again with all the countries and everything else. And it's, it should be an outstanding experience, but there again, just so many empty seats was just mind boggling. And you said off the top and you were right that, that we talk about all the stuff leading into the games, the crime and the Zika virus and all the rest of those kind of things. And whether or not we continue talking about those things is decided by the athletes. If Canada, when they go out, if Canada stinks and no, I mean, and, and doesn't perform very well, those topics continue to be the discussion point as well as why are our athletes not doing well. If our athletes go out as they did in this one, because they won a bronze medal with the four by 100 women's relay on the first day of competition, if they go out and they start performing well, all that other stuff becomes secondary. Now we still, those issues, I mean, you've still got crime, you've still got 
Americans making up stories about crime. You've still got, as you say, green pools and empty seats and volunteers and blah, blah, blah. Those things still exist. But I think that honestly, most Canadians, when they look back at the Rio Olympics, will look back very positively because of the performance of the Canadian athletes. It doesn't matter. You could have had half the audience at the closing ceremony could have come down with Zika virus on the spot. And the fact that we did as well as we did, most Canadians would say that was a fantastic Olympics. Whereas if we won two medals, it would have been a disaster and everything about the Olympics would have been screwed up. That's right. They would have said, look, nobody will even go to the closing ceremonies. Canada did so poorly. So it's all about how our athletes did and they did very, very well. Were we in any event Saturday night? I don't know. We were, if, well, we if were, we were, nobody was watching. I was. The Olympics? Yeah, I watched the Olympics on Saturday night. You didn't watch the hip? No interest. No interest. I, I don't dislike the Tragically Hip. I got no beef with the Tragically Hip. I'm just not a Tragically Hip fan. And honestly, I thought that the hype had reached a point that was so overheated that it was almost silly. And so I said, you know what, I'd rather, and we ended up watching women's volleyball, which was among the most compelling things that we had seen. It wasn't even involving Canada. It was just a tremendous game and we were gripped by it. And I was like, okay, you know what? And I know they say 11.7 million Canadians watch the tragedy. That's great. That's fine. I'm not, I get no beef with that. Just, you know, I, I, I didn't, I guess I just didn't subscribe to the group think that you have to go out and watch the tragedy. What did you do? You watched the hip? I went, uh, Susan and I went to Spencer Creek Park with her, with my sister-in-law, Patty, and, and uh, sat there with several hundred other people and went because it was a thing to do. It's, uh, I thought it was a Canadian event, and I am clearly about as big a, a tragically hip fan as you are, but it was something I wanted to do. I mean, Sue's a huge fan, and, you know, when you're going with somebody that knows the words to most of the songs, and everybody there was right caught right up in it. So it was cool for me to watch that, but that's why I went. Now, I if mean, it was I, Rush, that would have been a real big event. See, I'd, have, <laughs> I'd have stayed at home and watched the Olympics then. You know, it's really funny, though. We're not going to talk about the tragedy hit much, but what I do find interesting about this is the, the, the line or the common refrain that we've heard over the last couple of weeks, that the Tragically Hip are the greatest Canadian band. That, that seems to be the thing. They're the best band ever in Canada. And I would suggest that that entirely depends if you belong to the thin sliver of people who are between 30 and 35, maybe, or 40. Because if you are over that, you're probably going to go with the Guess Who. Or maybe like me, you're going to go with Rush. Or some other... Steppenwolf or something. If you're younger, you know what? You're probably saying, no, the greatest Canadian performer ever is Drake. Or even Justin Bieber, some people will say. Or you might say Celine Dion or Shania Twain. Like it, it to me, it just, it got so overheated. And, and a, a great, all these people well, getting I, together, that's great. I, no, I mean, I'm, I, again, I'm not dumping on it. I just. I'm really glad I went because I think it was an event that was important. Um, but I think a lot of people got caught up in why it was so, such a big event. And Gord Downey going out and performing, you know, under very trying circumstances, seemingly. So I think it wasn't so much that everybody was a tragically hip fan. It's just a great Canadian story. I still say, if Rush was going to be doing this, which they should, because now they're not touring anymore. There should be a Rush day. And forget 11.7 million. Literally every Canadian Don would stop and pay homage 
to the greatest Canadian band of all time. Well, I don't think Burton, with a drummer from Hamilton, Ontario, by the way. Burton Cummings and the guests who aren't getting back together. I've asked. We will take a quick break. We will um, we will abandon the tragically hip moment for a short while and come back with a little more talk about the Olympics, starting with this one. Andre DeGrasse or Penny Alexiak? Who was the star? If you had to choose one, who was the Canadian star of the Olympics? We'll go from there. Stay with us. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. In studio with Don Robertson, chatting a little bit about sports, chatting a little mainly tonight, not not exclusively, but mainly about the wrap-up to the Olympics because, you know, everybody, except as Don says on Saturday night, but everybody watches. It's It's one of the things, it's one of the few things we have that you can set your watch to that every two years you will have everybody on the same page with the same topic around the water cooler, the Olympics. And, and there are not many things that you can say that about. You could say that about the Blue Jays, but you don't know they're going to be in the playoffs every year. The Leafs, well, they're never in the playoffs. Whatever you know when the Olympics come around, it is going to be the water cooler discussion. And so we will put a bow on it tonight. Well, actually, that's not exactly true because we have a couple of guests coming up later this week that will be chatting about Olympics, but they were there. It's a slightly different perspective. Uh, Don, let's, let's go through a few of these things though. I, I, I left just before the break with the question, who, if you had to pick one, who is your star of the Olympics? Penny Alexiak, 16 years old, out of nowhere. No one ever heard of her four medals or Andre de Grasse, who is competing in the signature event or signature events of the games. The men's hundred meters is the signature event of any Olympics. It is the biggest stage in the games and lost only to a guy who is slightly faster than Superman. Who, who is the, the biggest story for you? Who's the biggest star that came out of Canada in these games? There's a difference in the questions. Biggest star is DeGrasse. Uh, ben Johnson. Uh, Donovan Bailey. Donovan Bailey. You know, when you're the fastest man in the world or almost the fastest man in the world or you're competing against the fastest man in the world and he's anointed you the heir apparent. I think just because of the notoriety, um, I, I, you could almost say he came out of nowhere. I mean, he just quit college But people knew about year. him, though. People knew that name going into the Olympics. Nobody knew the name Penny Alexiak. Yeah, but that's the point. People knew about him because he, he, he participates in a premier event. Right, exactly. Right, the, uh, the I mean, you've got to do... Uh, what Michael Phelps does, or Mark Spitz does in the pool to get high recognition. Now, she's pulled off something absolutely wonderful, and at the age of 16, she can compete uh, realistically in about 25 Olympics. Yeah. Well, right. She, she's got a long run ahead of her. If she stays, and this is the thing, and we were talking about this the other day, if she stays interested, engaged, hungry, motivated, uninjured, like that, she's got... The sky is the limit for Penny Alexiak. There's, there's no question that she could be one of the greatest Olympians Canada has ever produced easily. Oh, well, she got four now. She's sixteen. If, if she stays engaged, if she stays interested and really wants to work at it, because it's not going to come easy. Because now she's got a target on her. Every other swimmer now wants to beat Penny Alexiak. But realistically, DeGrasse is only one Olympic ahead of her. He's twenty-one. Yeah. Right. I mean. Yeah. 
They're five years apart. And not even that, because there's no such thing as a sprinter in the 100 meters who's running at 17. There, there's no such thing as that. So well, really... Bolt was about 17 in his first and didn't qualify, but he was at maybe 18, because isn't this his fourth Olympics? Yeah, but that's my point. You go to the Olympics and you don't yeah. do anything. So no, there's right. no there's that's nobody right. who sprints at a high level until you're in your 20s. It just doesn't happen. You're not a man yet. You can't compete with men. Whereas... For whatever reason, and we could have a doctor on here or someone who can and, and someone who can explain the anatomy. Women develop quicker in in a lot of ways. You can you seem to have a lot more women who excel on the world stage, whether it's golf, whether it's swimming, whether it's figure skating, gymnastics at a younger age. Well, and they're smarter than we are. Well, that's true too. <laughs> that's true too. But it, so, I look at this though, and I think you know what, I, I, Penny Alexiak to me is probably the more marketable. If you were going to go by sponsorships. I think Penny Alexiak, if she chooses to, because if she chooses to take any sponsorships, she gives up her NCAA U.S. college eligibility. So it's a question of what does she want to do? I think she's got, if she were to decide not to go to college or just to stay in Canada and take the sponsorship, she could be raking in the dough. Oh my God, my math's good enough to say She'll get enough sponsorships to go to, to pay for to her pay own for university. whatever university she it's wants. It's a question, to though, of do you want to compete? Like a lot of people will say, "I want to compete in the NCAA." It's going to make me a better swimmer. So, it it's a tough one. It would be a really tough one if I if if your kid came home wow. as Penny Alexiak, and you you know because you don't know next week she could step off the curb and twist her ankle and break her ankle and she could fall off her bike. She could whatever. You don't know. There's no guarantee that four years from now, Penny Alexiak is going to be able to replicate this or better it. Your chance to rake in the dough exists at this moment. Now, it could be 10 times that four years from now, but if it was my kid, that is a tough, tough call about what do you do? Do you set yourself for life right now, or do you trust that you'll be able to do as well or better in four years? So NCAA, you can't, uh, I mean, that's why if you played in the OHL, you can't go. Right. Because you've been compensated. You've been paid. You're a professional. So if she does endorsements, if someone was going to go, this is very hypothetical, to an NCAA school and and, um, there are bursaries or scholarships for actors and they were paid to be in a TV commercial, would they be exempt? So uh, I know it's it's an odd question, but she's two years away from going to university, two or three. Because she's just no, she's just going in. Yeah, she's going into grade eleven. So she got two years. Yeah, right? yeah. she'll be out when she's eighteen, unless she does a victory lap too. Yeah, yeah. Can she? Can she? Um, can she accept endorsements now and then stop? No. And go no, no, no. Your your eligibility. As soon as you take money, you're done. As soon as you take money, you're done. As far as NCAA, there, there have been a sponsored like a sponsor, like Nike or Speedo. Or there whoever. have been athletes that have done charity calendars that receive some small stipend, and have been lost their eligibility. So you just can't take anything. Wow. So it's a question of, do you hold out and wait, or do you take it now? That's a tough question. And you know what? You know what? You, you take a look at the offers. See, you see what the money is, and make a sure. decision. Michael Phelps. Or Usain Bolt, who is the Bolt? You got Bolt as the better, the greater Olympian, not the better. They're, I mean, they're it's 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 a fine line between those two guys because like being the tallest basketball player, it's not. I'm I agree with you, and I and the reason is because there are so many events in swimming that Michael Phelps is able to win 
yeah. that many. And he's in, how many how many relays has he been in? And again, he's been a huge part of that. I'm not saying that he was dragged along in the relay, but he's in generally well, so what, three or four. Bolt's in one relay, where Phelps might be in four relays over yeah, the course point. of the... Yeah. Uh, and so, like if they had a, in, on the track, if they had a men's 50, and then the men's 100, and then the men's 150, and the 200, and the 250... Yeah. And then have two relays. And then have a 200 relay. relay. At all of them. Yeah. Then suddenly Usain Bolt has every bit as many medals as Michael Phelps has. Don't forget, Michael Phelps, as great as he is, and this is not taking anything away, has lost races. Usain Bolt has never lost a race in the Olympics. Yes, he has. First Olympics. Well, sorry, in the last three years. He was four years old. When he, yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he was only 6'2 at the time. Would you... What sport, you mentioned this before, that we watch a bunch of sports in the Olympics. Was there a sport, there was for me, was there a sport for you that you watch in these games that you don't normally watch that you said, you know what, if that was on TV regularly, I would actually tune in and watch that. Like we don't have modern pentathlon league. We don't have world decathlon league. Is there something that happened? Is some event, some sport that you saw that you said, I would watch that if that was outside the Olympics and just a regularly available sport? Women's beach volleyball. <laughs> that is a regular sport, though. You can sometimes see that. Not you as can? often. See, I just, that was just a check to see if you'd yeah, have been, you've seen it before. Uh, there's a lot of neat, <laughs> neat stuff. I, I mean, I like javelin because I think it's cool. No, I'd like it a lot more if they had to hit, you know, some kind of a moving object. Would that not be a gr- now, Of course. Bring it to, so add a second bit now. Yeah, hit the moving target with Javelin. Get Bonus points. Get a, get a bunch of guys on death row. Well, <laughs> I wasn't thinking of actual, I was thinking more of like a golf cart with a target on it or something, but all right, you're All right, uh, I might have, you've might, might have went too far there. <laughs> Yeah. No, well, but yeah, no, but, the, but that's right. There are there are things you're, like you're that. just like, introducing a sex where javelin catching. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, right. that's 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 more if difficult. If you can catch it, it, you're free. Yeah. The uh, well, I I said at the start that you know I watch events that I know take place in gymnasiums and in fields that I drive by all the time that I wouldn't think twice about stopping and watching, and I quite enjoy them at the Olympics. I. I tried to watch table tennis, but it's just too fast. And they got a great big stadium and a little tiny four by eight table. I really, I, I, you know, I'm not a great table tennis player. I'm an okay table tennis player. I can, I can play at a level that, uh, you know, I can keep up with most people that are average Joe, decent enough table tennis players. I would love to have a few rallies with some of those guys or women who are playing it at the Olympic level. Well, you'd have to make them play with their other hand. No, I'd, I'd like to actually try. And see what it's like. See, this is this goes back to something we talked about in the show the week before I was off when the Olympics had just started. And I think this was the most brilliant idea anyone has ever come up with. It was Bill Murray, the comedian, yes. who said in every in every event they should throw an average Joe in there for context. Yep. Just to see so that the people can see how good the people really are. And that's what I want to be. I want to be the guy to play table tennis against some of these people because it's not just that they're hitting the ball a trillion miles an hour. But they're doing it with spins and with all this. Other. I, I'd love to know if I could even rally for like three points. Just keep it going for three, a rally of three. I wouldn't bet on you. I wouldn't bet on me either, but I'd love to try it. But, you know, I, I, I saw that uh, post uh, attributed to Bill Murray on Facebook. And I got thinking the offsa, 
you know, the senior men's 100-meter winner from OFSA, which is Ontario's yep, top 100-meter yep. guy in high school, to see where he would be. Now, you know what? He probably, because he's going to, the OFSA champion is going to be running something in the 11 and a little. So he's not going to look horribly out of place. A second is a long I, I know, but but on TV, when you see it, he's not going to look horribly out of place. Now, take the guy who is just a recreational athlete who's 35 years old, who's going to run it now in 13 and a half seconds. And now you're going to see what speed is. That, that's that to me. See, to me, the sport that I would watch, that I saw that I would watch now if it was on. And I, I have no background in this sport whatsoever. I know nothing about it. In fact, I can barely explain the rules to you. I would watch Rugby Sevens if that was on TV regularly. I thought Rugby Sevens was, the to me, the breakout entertainment sport of the Olympics. Fast, quick games, hitting hard, exciting. Like the fact that they can have two games in the same day, well, I was gonna say, one I after the other. I don't know the- how they don't need two weeks off. I well, mean, the NFL the guys need a week off. Can you see what these guys do? I, I thought Rugby 7, for me, was the sport that, that broke out that I, I went started going looking for. Because, I mean, the other stuff you've, you know, you've seen. And, and I'm thankful that, I didn't, that some of the sports I didn't have to wade through this year. I, I'm sorry. You know, the one sport that I, of all the sports in the Olympics, and there's someone who's going to be mad at me because I'm sure someone who's listening actually has performed in this or has children or grandchild performing in this. The one sport that I simply don't understand is rhythmic gymnastics where you're leaping around with the ribbon. I understand gymnastics. I can't do it. I'm amazed at the stuff the gymnasts can do. The, I mean, the, what their bodies can do. The, the rhythmic gymnastics, I don't get it. It, it To me, it's... It's, it's art. What's wrong it's with It's art. You? Well, fine. It's art. Not what I would necessarily put in the Olympics. Uh, my favorite moment, by the way, speaking of art, was the last day, the, I think it was wrestling, it was wrestling or judo, the Mongolian athlete lost in the bronze medal match by judge's decision, and the, his two coaches did not agree with the ruling. Oh, I saw them take their gear off. They started pulling, started stripping all their clothes <laughs> off and whipping their clothes at the judges. <laughs> Until they got down to their tight, they weren't white, but tighty whiteies and had to be escorted well, I, out by Brazilian security. I, I can tell you a sport where I, I actually felt fear was four or five days ago in the women's uh, heavyweight weightlifting. Yeah. And I saw some of those gals uh, picking up, you know, a truck and putting it over their head, and I actually would be fearful. There were... Um, We'll wrap it up with this. There were there were a lot of great moments. Maybe the two worst moments, and you mentioned one of them, was in men's weightlifting. The guy who tried to hoist the weight and popped his elbow, dislocated his arm, so his elbow popped right out. That was really unpleasant. And the second one, which if you really have a strong stomach, you can pick up the spec today in the sports section. There's a photo of the gymnast who snapped his tibia or whatever, mm. the lower part of his leg, and he's sitting, lying on the ground holding his leg that is now bent where it shouldn't be and his foot is facing the wrong direction. And the thing, as gross as it is, and it's horrible, I can't stand that stuff, but it does remind you that what these people are doing at the level they're doing it is, it's just centimeters away from disaster all the time. They like push the, themselves to the absolute brink. There are, and I'm not exaggerating one bit, the stuff that the gymnasts were doing, if you 
or I, honestly, if you or I or Luke behind the glass, if any one of us tried to do something half that much, we would all be quadriplegics. We would <laughs> honestly, we would all break our necks on the first try. It would be horrendous. It would be, and, and there was a Facebook, as I go here to break, there was a Facebook posting. I don't know the year, but it showed women's split screen, women's gymnastics today and women's gymnastics in like 1936 or something at the Berlin Olympics. And the women then, like the big move was the handspring or the, sorry, the, the cartwheel and then the walkover on your hands. And now you've got women who are doing double flips in the air with twists and landing on their feet. And you say, how did we get to this point? That, that to me ultimately is what the Olympics for me, so often when you watch this, you go, how do we get to this point? The, the men's hundred, the men's four by 100 that, that Andre DeGrasse, that we came third in when the Americans were disqualified, the time they ran broke the record that was set by the Donovan Bailey, Glenroy, Gilbert, Robert Esme, Bruno Surrey team of 1996 in Atlanta. That won the gold medal by eight meters, nine meters. They came third. They really came fourth. And that was the time, and their time beat that earlier time. It shows you just how much better everybody in sports has become year after year after year. And we knew every guy on that, uh, on that relay team. Yep. And if they had won a gold medal this time, I know it was bronze and that's fantastic, but if they had won a gold medal, I think they probably will next time. We will know every name on this team. Gold medals have a wonderful way of turning you into someone very, very, very famous. Sometimes a bronze medal will do it. Sometimes silver will do it. Gold almost always does it. Quick break. Back after this to talk Robertson. about the World Cup of Hockey. Talking training sports camps for the first hour here just over a week. Minutes. And uh, Don, next month, we'll chat about the World Cup of Hockey, the NHLPA slash NHL creation will be played with the usual suspects, Canada and Finland and Czech Republic and Russia and U.S. and the North American youth stars or whatever they're called in Sweden and on and on. Uh, all the games, by the way, can be heard right here on 900 CHML. Every game from the round robin with Canada, with Canada, all the Canadian games right through to the playoffs. We hope that Canada makes the playoffs in this tournament. That would be kind of disappointing if they didn't. But is this thing going to work? Because we've just come through the Olympics. It's been a really hot summer. No one's yet really thinking about the fall we're, we got the Blue Jays that are gearing up for a stretch drive. Got the Thai Cats that have Zach Caleros back and are starting to win. I mean, that affects us, not necessarily everyone else. Is this going to catch some traction with the public and become like the Canada Cups or like those things before that were also played around this time of year and that became enormous? I, th- I'm not sure. Um, it's, it's going to be a challenge. I mean, they're sucking out an awful lot of hockey money out of the Toronto community. You know, they have the world juniors every second year now. Now, fortunately for the people of hockey Canada, now the national hockey league, the Leafs don't make the playoffs, but the prices that they charge, you know, are expensive. So if the Leafs ever go on a run and go to the uh, Stanley Cup Finals, somebody's going to be throwing out a lot of dough. So if you go on the basis that uh, there's excess hockey money around because the Leafs have only been in the playoffs once in the last decade, then sure, it should be successful. But, boy, I don't know. There's a lot Is it going to come to exactly what we talked about a few minutes ago with the Olympics? 
if Canada does well and if the hockey is exciting. Well, winning winning makes everything work, of course, right? And if the hockey is exciting. Like the, the 1987 Canada Cup that was played here, the Gretzky to Lemieux goal. Most people say those three games in the finals with the Russians were the three best hockey games, the best hockey series ever played. Maybe the best hockey series. Again, I think the uh, Montreal Canadiens, Russia in 70, whatever Six, it was. 70, New Year's Eve, 76, yeah, I think. New Year's Eve, yeah. 75, Bob, 76. Bob Myers refereed it. Um, you're right. If it catches on, I think there'll be a lot of people cheering for the kids. See, that's the part to me that actually makes this difficult. That's the part to me that raises the bells, the alarm bells on this one, that we are happy to cheer for Canada in hockey no matter what. But what do you do when Connor McDavid and a bunch of other Canadian kids are playing against Canada. Well, if they win, you'd, you're going to wish they were playing for the big team. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it would be like the Marlies beating the uh, the Leafs some night. You know, that's obviously no, being silly about it, but, I mean, it could happen. And these young stars, I mean, I haven't uh, gone over the rosters yet, but they've got a challenge. I mean, Blue Jays, if they stay where they are, it's going to be them and Boston going down to the end of this With thing. Baltimore still in it, too. Correct. Uh, I still think Boston's probably a bigger concern than Baltimore, but we're talking hockey. Um, boy, the Blue Jays really own the airwaves and the attention last year. It's going to be tough to bump them off. It, I, I agree. I think it, it, it is possible because we have seen, the one thing we've seen consistently is that every time they do this, it has worked. Every time they've had a tournament like this, they call all the Canada Cups and everything else, it's worked. The difference, if there is one, is that in the past, when they had Canada Cups, they didn't have the Olympics as well. And we may not be seeing NHL players in these Olympics. We don't know yet if they're going to go over to South Korea. Well, so I, this could be, this could be instead of the Olympics because of the time difference and everything else. But every time they've had one of these tournaments, it has, it has worked. I, I agree. And, and I, they, they're also, there haven't been Canada Cups for a long, long time. And now you can watch 24-7 live hockey. So there wasn't as much hockey to watch. The, the greatest players in the world, we all seemed like we knew them all. And the world stage wasn't as big in 87. There wasn't a whole lot of European stars in our league. The Russians were still There was still of, mystery. Though I was going to say the Russians were foreign to us. We knew about them. Uh, so we knew our fans, so it was easy to rally around them. We knew some of the American guys because they were playing in the NHL, right? But they stunk, which was great. Yeah, that was a lot more fun. <laughs> and, you know, the, the Finns and the Swedes and, and the other ones would always surprise you. It's a gamble for them, and I think what it is. I agree. That's it's a great a precursor. Word. It's a precursor to if we can make this work and make our own money, we won't go to the Olympics anymore. And it is a gamble because if the, if the hockey is great, if the hockey is great, this thing will be enormous. This thing will be enormous. If, the, if it turns out that it's like the 87 Canada Cup, the Salt Lake City Olympics, the even the Nagano Olympics, even though we didn't win there, if it's like one of those great Olympic tournaments where the guys buy in completely, play their butts off, and it's full speed, and it's not just a friendly, no-contact tournament, if they actually play this like it matters, I think it's going to be huge. Well, the other, but that's an if. The other challenge that the, the National Hockey League have by doing it is if this hockey is absolutely spectacular, there's lots of evidence that the NHL isn't as good as it should be until Christmas. So is it going to make the NHL, you know, is it going, going to make regular season look a little eh? You can listen again. You can listen to it all here on 900 CHML. Every Team Canada game, regular, round, round robin anyway, and playoffs will be here on this station. 
The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900, AM 900 CHML.